0: So we're continuing our study on uh, the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded. So what this whole study is about, it is about um, that Jesus, when he started his ministry, he said, hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what it means to repent, it means a change of thinking that leads into a change of action. And so if we've repented, that means we say, "Okay, I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for Christ. And so now we're looking at, okay, if that means that we are now to be kingdom minded, we're no longer kingdom or citizens of earth, but citizens of heaven. So what does it look like to represent that? What does it look like to live for him? And so that's kind of what we look at each week is, okay, just another aspect of this, because what this study is about is this is Jesus talking to his disciples. So this isn't Jesus talking to like a big crowd or teaching them. It's him actually taking his disciples up on a mountain and he lays out through Matthew 5 through 7. Like, hey, if you were to be a follower of me, this is what it means to be kingdom minded, to be focused on the kingdom to live for Christ. And so tonight we're going to be looking at how Christ came to fulfill uh, the law, how Christ came to fulfill the law. Um, but before we get started in that, um, I just have a quick question. Kind of for everyone to get us started. As a, anybody like going to buffets? Anybody like going to all-you-can-eat buffets? Anybody? Okay, there's not many faces. Anybody got a favorite place they like to go to for all-you-can-eat buffet? Madison, where's your favorite place? Okay. Daily buffet. Yoki buffet. Golden Corral is mine. Golden Corral, okay. Chocolate fountain. It's a steak buffet. Okay. That's kind of a buffet. Okay. So it's like all-you-can-eat something? Okay. That sounds incredible for, like, any carnivore. That sounds awesome. Um, what are, like, what are things that you like at a buffet? Like, things that you like to eat, things you like to get, or maybe things that you don't like to get, that if you see at a buffet, you're like, no. The salad bar. <laughs> I <laughs> avoid it at all costs. Okay. You've, yeah, fair. Sure. Golden girl. To say the Okay. I Madison. Okay, you hate fish. Okay. Mason. Okay, you like that or avoid that? No, I won't. Okay. <laughs> um, there's actually a place I had back home that I loved. It was an all-you-can-eat sushi place. Um, I love sushi. If you don't, uh, well, you need a repentant belief. I get but, the, um... look, that's between you and God, not me. God It's God's gift. But, um... Uh, but it's actually an all-you-can-eat sushi place where you can, like, you can pick and choose what you wanted. And I remember there was one I always avoided. It was called, like, a crazy monkey roll. And it was, like, it had all the different stuff, and it had, like, banana in it. And, I, like, I first tried it, and I'm, like, oh, I don't taste the banana. And then it hit me, like, right after as an aftertaste, and it was disgusting. And so, yeah, crunchy dragon roll. I love that. So, like, but the thing is, I could pick and choose what I liked. I was, like, okay, I want – give me all the sea angel. Give me all this dragon – like – crunchy dragon roll if we go to like a certain like buffet place give me all the steak don't give me any of the fish i can avoid the salad bar like don't give me any vegetables or any fruit give me all of like just the The worst stuff you can imagine that's what i want and I think a lot of us, I think that's why we like buffets. Like you can pick and choose what you want. Like you can say, okay, I want a lot of this. I kind of want a little bit of that. I don't want any of that. Oh, I want tons of that on my plate. And I think that's why we like that so much. We can pick and choose everything we want or things that we don't want for there. But, but my worry is that a lot of us with that whole buffet mentality, we have that same mentality when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to our walk with Christ, that, that we kind of pick and choose what we like. Okay, I want all of this. I want all of the grace. I want all of the love, all of the forgiveness. Ooh, not so much on the wrath side, not so much on like obeying certain aspects. I like some of these commands that Jesus says, or I like some of these verses, but some of these I'm not the biggest fan of. I might just kind of put those off to the side. But what we're going to see tonight is that Jesus, yes, he came to fulfill the law, but he also calls us to obey his commandments. But the thing is, like us, as, here's like us as fallen sinful human beings, like our natural desire is that we want to pick and choose what we want to follow because we want what's best for us. We want, to, we want what's most comfortable for us because there are certain things that Christ calls us to deny and follow after him that quite frankly, it's, it's honestly uncomfortable or difficult for us to give up or, or difficult for us to follow. It's really hard. But, but what we see is that Christ calls us to that. In fact, the main point for tonight's sermon is this, is, is to be kingdom-minded. If we're to be kingdom-minded, like it says, then we are to be obedient to every command of Christ. That we're, we're to be obedient to every command of Christ. Because as we see that Christ takes all of the scripture seriously, and that he, he gives us these commands that we are to teach, and he's not saying that these are a suggestion, he's not saying that these are Optional. He's saying that these are what we are to obey and follow if we are to be kingdom minded, if we're to be followers of Him. That if we're going to follow Him, we need to follow all of His commandments that He gives us. Um, So, like I said, we are in uh, the book of Matthew. So, if you have uh, your Bible, whether it be on your phone or whether it be a physical Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 5. If you forgot to bring your Bible tonight, no worry. On the back side of your notes, I also have the scripture. For this, we can follow along too, so we can kind of flip back and forth and reading and taking notes. But we are in Matthew chapter 5, and we're looking at verses 17 through 20. So that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. This is what it says, okay? This is the word of the Lord. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Dear Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Just thank you for your word, that it is a lamp into our feet, that it is a light into our path. I thank you that all of scripture is inspired by you. It is good for teaching, for proof, for correction, and equipping all of us for the good works that you have prepared for us. So I pray over these next few minutes, you'll free yourself from any distractions. You'll help us tune in to what you have to teach us tonight, Lord. I pray that... Everything that is spoken to that will be your truth and not my opinion. And that it'll be your truth that is remembered. It'll be your truth that is planted in our hearts. And that we will that it will bear fruit in our lives. That we'll be able to be even more kingdom-minded. That we'll be able to follow Christ that much more. And that we'll point others to Christ. It's only by your grace we're able to do this. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So there is, uh, there is two truths that Christ gives us in this passage, that if we're to be obedient to the law, that we need to understand. And the first one is this, that all of the law points to Christ. So all of the law points to him. So look what it says in verse 17, 18. Jesus says, look, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's it's a combination of Jewish people and Gentile people. So he's trying to kind of talk to both sides of this because for the Jewish people, the law meant a lot to them. I mean, it was literally everything to them. That was their life. While well, well, the Gentiles don't necessarily understand it, and they're kind of outside of that, so they're trying to understand it. So Jesus is trying to reassure the Jews, hey, look, I am not coming to abolish the law. I'm not coming to overthrow the law. I'm not coming to, to throw all of that out, that, that, that what my God has given the nation of Israel for centuries. But he's also trying to reassure the Gentiles, like, look, I'm not trying to say this, like, heap any of this on you. I've come to not abolish it, but to fulfill the law. Fulfill these requirements that no one else can fulfill. So Jesus is reassuring the Jews and he's helping the Gentiles as he's talking about this. And like it says, it says, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He says, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Basically what he means by the law and the prophets is just, that's just kind of word for Old Testament. So he's not, he's saying, I've not come to abolish the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill the Old Testament. And so what he means by abolish, he means to to officially declare like invalid or inapplicable. So, what he's saying is, look, I'm not trying to come and say the Old Testament isn't valid or anything else. I'm not trying to throw that out. I'm not trying to say it's inapplicable or anything else like that. But, because the reason why I couldn't do that is because Jesus is the Word made flesh. That would make no sense if Christ is the Word made flesh and then this Word that was written by it says, no, that's, that's, that's no longer applicable. Don't worry about that anymore. It would make no sense. And he's not not coming to declare the Old Testament invalid because what we see is the Old Testament pointed to him. All the crazy kind of laws we see, like the sacrifice systems and everything else and all these weird things for the nation to be holy and righteous. We're all pointing to Christ as the fulfillment, that ultimately Christ would be the ultimate sacrifice, that Jesus is the one that is the ultimate holiness that we are to pursue. So all this was pointing to him. And so Jesus did not come to abolish law either. In fact, he came to live under this law, this law that we couldn't live out, that the nation of Israel couldn't live out, so that he could be the true sacrifice for all of our sins that are revealed by the law, because it says the law reveals our sin. It shows these things that we cannot obey and we cannot follow, and so he is coming to be the perfect sacrifice for that. In fact, he's literally obeying In Deuteronomy 4, 2, where it says, look, you shall not add or take away anything from this word, from the commands that I've given you. So he would be disobeying it if he either added to this or took away any of this. And so he'd be disobeying it. So he's trying to to say, like, this is still important to all of us today. It is still important. It is still applicable, and he's trying to explain that. So a way I would illustrate this is, okay, what is like one class that y'all have a really tough time Not a class you hate, not a class subject you hate, but a class that like you just, you struggle in. Math. Math, okay. Anybody else math? Mine was science. I was terrible at science. science. You give me math, okay. I'm, I'm awesome. You give me science, I, good luck. Uh, you, you might as well speak hieroglyphics to me. Madison. Social studies? Okay. Language also. So, Joshua. Uh, I started with Spanish. Spanish. You told me about it all last year. So, so, imagine this. I want you to imagine that you're taking this ridiculous hard math course, okay? You're, you're trying to follow all of it. You are trying to follow everything to a T. You're trying to keep up with it. But you're not able to really keep up with everything. And you have this final exam that you're working towards. You are stressing out. And then you ask the professor to help you. A professor, like, I am struggling. You ask the teacher, like, I don't know what to do. I, I really need help with this. This is really hard. This is a lot for me. And so this teacher who's been teaching it the whole semester, right, the whole school year long, he says, not only will I help you, but in fact, I will take the test for you. I will take the exam for you. But then when it comes time to take the test, they just completely decide to throw out the whole final exam and take a whole new exam. You'd be like, then what was the point of everything else that I studied up to this point? Like, if you're going to tell me this is the final exam, this is what you're working towards and everything else up to this point, and You just toss all of that out and say, no, no, no. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to take a whole new test. You would, you would question that. You'd, like, you would say, what? Then what was the point of all of that? Or something else that's even more important. Let's say this. Let's say that this professor took the whole course. Okay. Took the whole course. And he passed it. They passed it with an A and everything. And then they gave you that grade. Okay? They gave you that grade. All you would have to do is receive it. I think a lot of us would be quick to receive that grade, wouldn't we? Something that is impossible for us. And then we have this grade and we want to receive it. And in many ways, that is is what Christ did for us by living under the law and fulfilling the law. Because he knew there's nothing we could do to fulfill it. There's nothing we could do to complete it. In fact, he lived under it. He lived and fulfilled all of that because it's pointing to him. So he was a righteous sacrifice to die. And then he says, look, I can give you this salvation. All you have to do is receive it. So that's what Jesus did. He came to fulfill the law. What it means by fulfill, It just, that's another word to say to satisfy. So basically he is satisfying. Jesus came to satisfy all of the laws of the Old Testament. So all those laws that we see, all the ones that it's really difficult to go through when it goes through Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those others that just hard, weird ones about shellfish and everything else and how just things are to be designed. He came to fulfill every last one of those. So that begs the question, Okay, if he came to fulfill the law, how many laws were there they came to fulfill? There were 613 laws. There were 613 laws that he came to fulfill. And Jesus came to satisfy all 613 of those. I can barely stay under the speed limit, okay? When I, let's say I drive from my house to here. And that's just one law. Imagine 613 laws that we have to abide by that he said. Let's even take the Ten Commandments, for example. Anybody ever lied? Anybody ever say a lie to someone? Anybody ever steal something? Anybody ever put something before God that they they valued something more than God even for a moment? That's just three out of the ten commandments that we talk about a lot. And just breaking those three, we'd already be guilty of breaking all of the laws. And so we see from the start, like, okay, it is impossible for us to try to keep this. And Jesus, I have come to live under all of these laws and fulfill all of these prophecies that this Old Testament was pointing to. All those those sacrifices, all those laws, all those prophecies, all those kind of types and shadows, if you will, were foreshadowing me. We're pointing to Christ. In fact, I heard this crazy probability of, of Jesus fulfilling just even eight, okay, of eight of the hundreds of prophecies. So get this, okay, the probability of one person, just one person fulfilling eight of the hundreds of prophecies that are in the Old Testament is one to like the 17th degree. So that's one with like 17 zeros after it. So I'm not a mathematician, but that is a lot of zeros. And so an equivalent of that is imagine I took one with 17 zeros after it, that many silver dollars, and I covered the entire state of Texas, it would fill the entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, okay? The whole state of Texas. And then imagine I take one of those silver dollars in a market. I put a red X or something, paint it gold, whatever, and I drop it from a helicopter. I mix it up in that whole state of Texas, and then I bring someone in. I blindfold them. I say, all right, you can walk in any direction you want. You can stop whenever you want. And then whichever one you pick up, that is your first try the probability of that person finding that silver dollar that I marked covering the whole state of Texas that is two feet deep in silver dollars is one and 17 zeros. That they'll get it on their first try. That is crazy. That is the chances of just one person fulfilling eight of the prophecies in the Old Testament. Well, there was hundreds of them. And Jesus came to fulfill every last one of those and did. That, That is crazy probability. And so... He talks about he came to fulfill this law, to fulfill all of this. So it says, until the law is complete. So look at what it says in verse 18. He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So when Jesus says, truly I say to you, this would be recognized by the Jews because it was like the same way when the prophets told him, hey, thus says the Lord. So when the prophets delivered a message from God, he says, thus says the Lord. So when Jesus says, truly, I say to you, in meaning, this is important, like this is authoritative, what Jesus is about to say. And so it meant he was saying that not even the tiniest aspect of Scripture is to be removed or messed with until all of it is accomplished. And so what Jesus is saying is, Jesus is saying all of Scripture is important. He's saying that every last, but he says not even, not even an iota, not even a dot. Some translations say not even a jot or tittle, just the tiniest things. These were like the tiniest aspects, tiniest letters or punctuations or things of the Old Testament. He says not even the tiniest bit of that shall be removed or messed with until all of the law is accomplished. So what that's saying is God will pass even the most trivial and confusing parts of Scripture that make no sense to us that we read in the Old Testament, which means if he will pass even the tiniest little aspects of of the law of the Old Testament that make no sense to us, that means he'll also take care of everything else, even the mightier, weightier, more important things that affect us. And so what he means by until everything is accomplished, until all the law is accomplished, he means to happen or to come about or to come to pass. And so which means he's saying the law is accomplished in Christ, that, that Christ did this, that he kept the law perfectly, that he fulfilled all of the Old Testament, like messianic types and shadows and prophecies. And because he did that, he provided the way of salvation that meets all of the righteous requirements of the law. So he met all 613 laws to a T down to the last dot and tittle, iota, whatever you want to call it, down to the last punctuation. And so he's saying this law remains valid until its culmination, its completion, and that culmination, that completion, that accomplishment is the ministry of Christ. So Christ is saying him coming onto the scene, coming onto earth and starting to teach these things, he is the completion and fulfillment of that. And now he is teaching this, so he is accomplishing this. And so Jesus has fulfilled, accomplished every last tiny bit of the Old Testament down to the last detail, which means this, that Jesus is the sole teacher and interpreter of the law. Since he's fulfilled all of it, since he's fulfilled every last bit of it, he's the word made flesh. He's the one that literally the Old Testament was pointing to. He's the one that all of Scripture is about. It's one grand redemption story of Christ. And so if it's one grand redemption story about Christ, if it's where the Old Testament is pointing to him, then he is the sole authority over it. He is the sole teacher and interpreter of the law. And so all of the Old Testament points to him. Christ fulfills the Old Testament. And now because he's fulfilled it, Christ is now giving us these new commands that we are to obey that are some rooted in the Old Testament. And what I'm saying is he's not trying to affirm everything in the Old Testament. He's not trying to say, okay, I've completed all this. Now you still got to obey all these 613 laws. He's not saying that. But he's not saying we're going to completely throw out everything. He's taking important aspects of it in his new teaching, in this new covenant under him. And he's giving us these commandments that we are to obey. But as we saw, like even the even just the Old Testament commands that he gave us, it was hard for us to even keep one or two of those. Let alone all these new ones. In fact, Jesus takes the Old Testament revelation and he ups the ante. He raises the bar. That's what we're gonna see over the next few weeks, where he says, "Hey, you've heard it said before. Don't like, don't, uh, don't commit murder. But I'm gonna even say, if you hate someone in your heart, you've already committed murder." So he's taking something these people have already had and already heard, and he's raising the bar that much higher. So we look at that and say, well, that, if it was already hard for us to keep the Old Testament, how are we supposed to keep these new commands that you were to give us? And that's the thing. The Old Testament points to Christ. But as we see in these, since Christ fulfilled all these, we're going to see in this next one, Christ gives us the faith to obey all of his commandments. So Christ gives us all the faith we need to obey his commandments. Because again, he gave these commands and he fulfilled all the Old Testament laws. So all these new commands he's going to give us in the New Testament, he not only is going to fulfill and he's going to obey those to a T. And that means he's going to give us the faith and strength to be able to obey these as well. So look what it says in verse 19 and 20. It says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them, Will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So again, Jesus is giving new commandments for the new covenant that He has started when we repent and believe in Christ. So again, these commands are not reaffirming all of the Mosaic covenant or all the Mosaic law, nor are they abolishing all of it. Again, He came to fulfill that. So Jesus is bringing like the divinely intended end goal to all of the law. And is giving his teaching that we are to obey. These teachings fulfill and transcend that that traditional understanding that the Jews had of the Old Testament. So what he's saying by these commandments, he says, don't relax even the least of these commandments. He says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying like, look, these are not to be messed with. These are not to be taken lightly, nor are these commandments to be ignored. Jesus says to relax even the least of these. The word relax in this verse, verse 19, is the same meaning as he says abolish in verse 17. That we are to not say any of these commandments are invalid or inapplicable or try to annul or remove any of these. So he says that Jesus is saying that we are to take all of his commandments seriously, And so what that means is to be a follower of Christ is to be a follower of all his commandments. That we're to be all of these commandments that he gives us now in this new covenant, this relationship with him. In fact, it says in James 2.10, he expands on this more. He says, okay, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one part is guilty of breaking all of the law. So he's saying that we are to take these commands of Christ seriously. Why? Because this covenant that he had, he took seriously. In fact, it cost him his life for us to have this new covenant with him. And so he gives these commands that we are to obey, which means if we are to take all of his commandments seriously and we're to obey all of his commandments, that means this. We cannot pick and choose which commands we want to obey. We cannot pick and choose which commands we want to obey. We cannot pick and choose which aspects of Jesus we like. We cannot pick and choose which parts of Scripture that we like more than others. We cannot pick and choose saying, I like all of these blessings of Christ, but not so much the following after Christ. So if, we're not, if we cannot pick and choose, then i got to ask is this. Are there certain parts of Scripture you purposely choose to obey or not obey? Are there certain parts of your faith you know that are not in line with Scripture? Do you have, as kind of talked about earlier, this cafeteria Christianity mentality when it comes to your walk with Christ that you'll, that we'll pick certain things that we want to follow, but certain things we try to kind of push off to the side that we don't want to follow as much. Jesus is saying, we cannot relax even the least of these, even the least of these commandments. And what Jesus is saying is, to relax the least of these commandments, he's not saying that any of his commandments are lesser than, there's a certain section that are kind of lesser on the list. What he just mean by that is like, don't lessen any of these. Like, don't, don't simplify or lower any of these commandments that I give you. And so we are to not ease up on any of them, but to treat them all as equally important. And so he not only says this, not only are we to take all of these commands of Christ seriously, but we're to teach others just how serious they are. That's why it says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And so how seriously we take the commands of Christ will teach others how seriously they are to take the commands of Christ. Our lives teach others how seriously we take our faith. That how we live our lives, teach others, how seriously we take these commandments that Christ has given us. How seriously we take the Bible. How seriously we take his sovereignty. How seriously we take all these things that he has commanded us with. A lot of times you hear a whole action speak louder than words. Is that so applicable to this? That the way we live our lives is going to teach others around us how much, how seriously we take our faith. So the way we live our lives will speak volumes to that whether we view them as optional or suggestions, or whether we view them as divine commands that we are to desire and obey as His followers. So imagine if anybody, um, anybody heard of a syllabus? Don't, anyone know what a syllabus is? Okay, let's go know, right? So syllabus is syllabus like, explains all the things like for the year, okay? It says, like, this is what we're going to be studying different weeks. These are different assignments that we're going to have. This is kind of like the schedule of the course over these weeks. This is how much, like, certain projects or papers or quizzes or tests or assignments are. Imagine we look at that and we say, okay, I'm gonna take most of this important, but I'm gonna like lessen up on one of these. I don't need to take like the final exam that seriously. I don't need to take this quiz that seriously. I don't need to take some of that seriously. But what happens if we don't take that part of the syllabus that seriously? What's gonna to happen to our grade? It's not gonna to do to all right, we're gonna probably finish lesser than in the class than others. What happens if we're like, if not only we take certain aspects of that syllabus less seriously, but we also tell ourselves, ah, you don't gotta worry about that big project. Ah, uh, you don't have to worry, And they believe you. And they believe you because they're looking up to you on this. What's going to happen to their grade as well? Theirs is going to go down. Or like we actually do, like, imagine we do take it seriously. And we know someone else that's kind of slacking off on something. So you know, like, no, like you need to treat all of this importantly because all of this affects your grade. All of it's so important. Because it's so easy when we less, like, lessen on one of these. It's so easy for us to start lessening on other things, right? It's so easy for us when we let's say go, well, I can just, I can take care of my schoolwork tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes. And we'll all do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow kind of never comes. We just kind of keep pushing it off. And we lessen and lessen and lessen. It ultimately affects our grade. Same with this, that we are to take all of His commands seriously. Then we lessen one and we teach others to lessen one. It it hinders people's faith. Let me ask you this. The way you live our lives, are you being a help or a hindrance to someone else's faith? Is the way you live your life is appointing people to Christ or away from Christ? Who are you appointing them to? Two And what is your heart behind this? What is your heart behind this? Because Christ explains the heart that we are to have behind obeying these commandments in verse 20, where it says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, this statement would have shocked the Jews at that time. Because at this time, like the scribes, the Pharisees, they're like, the cream of the crop, they're the top dogs, they are as right, the ultimate example of righteous as you can get. Like, people live saying, okay, if I can even try to become a portion like them, then I might have a shot at heaven. They're saying these are the top dogs when it comes to like righteousness. And Christ is saying not even their righteousness can enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so a lot of these Jews would think, well, then what's the point? What hope do I even have if even these guys that, that are trying to teach the law and interpret the law and are so just scrupulous and so detailed about all of this, if even they can't get into heaven, then how in the world am I supposed to get in? And Christ is explaining the meaning behind this, that their aim is off that the Pharisees and scribes kind of warped their understanding of the law by thinking keeping the law was their only way of getting into heaven. And they also kind of heaped these oral traditions on top of that as well of the law that weren't even a part of the Old Testament. They thought that they had to keep the law and keep these oral traditions and follow these to a T in order to get into heaven. But here's the thing, even if somehow they obeyed all 613 laws of the Old Testament it still wouldn't be enough to get into heaven because it's not the issue of keeping the law. It's an issue of the human heart behind the law because all of us are born as fallen sinful human beings in need of redemption. That even if we kept all of the rules to a T, even if we saw all these commands Christ gives us and obey all of them to a T, if there's not that transformed heart behind it, then all of it is folly. All of it is in vain. And that's the important part. It's not about keeping the law, but it's about the transformation of the heart. That it's not just about seeing these rules and saying, okay, I've got to check all these boxes and I'm good. But it's saying, no, like there's no way I can keep this standard. It's impossible for me to keep this standard by any way. And it's only saying, okay, Christ is the only one that kept these standards. These standards that revealed my sinfulness. These standards that revealed my fallenness. These standards that revealed my need for a savior. And so when we see that and understand that, we go, okay, then it's only by Christ I can do this. So I need Christ to save me. I need Christ to forgive me of my sins. I need Christ to help me. Because it's only by Christ that we can be saved from our sins. It's only by Christ that we can obey any of these laws. It's about an inward transformation that leads to this outward proclamation. It's about a heart transformed by Christ that sees our need for Christ because we cannot keep the law and we're condemned under the law that Christ frees us from. Again, Christ has kept the law, fulfilled the law, died for our sins. Again, that revealed our sin under the law and offers us salvation to be brought back into a right relationship with God. Because what Christ is saying is, it takes a greater righteousness than even the scribes and Pharisees to get into heaven. It takes a greater righteousness to keep all of the law. It takes a greater righteousness to enter into heaven. And what he's saying is, Christ is that greater righteousness. Christ is the one that we need to be able to obey his teachings. Christ is the one that we need for salvation. Christ is the one we need to enter into heaven. And the thing is, Christ gives us all that we need to be able to do these things. Christ is not only going to teach us these commandments, but he's going to live these commandments out. Christ is not just going to show us to take these commandments seriously, but he's going to show that he takes them seriously by living them out himself. And so Christ is not only the teacher of the law, he's not only the interpreter of the law, but he also empowers us to obey these commandments because we cannot do it on our own. We couldn't do it for the Old Testament. We certainly can't be able to do it for this New Testament, as we're going to see He frees us from these obligations and punishments from the law and gives us an opportunity to receive salvation, to live for him and empowers us to live for him and tell others about him. And they can be freed from these burdens that that no matter what you do, no matter how many good deeds you do, it won't be enough. It's only by the blood of Christ that we can be forgiven. Christ is the one that's filled all these things. Christ is the one that's checked all the boxes, if you will. And Christ is the one that purchased our salvation by living a perfect, sinless life that we could not live that he died on the cross to pay for all of those, pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. And he was buried and resurrected out of the grave, overcoming all of sin, all the consequences of sin. So he purchased our salvation and he extends that all we must do is repent and believe and receive that. And we do that, then we'll have a heart transformed, and then we'll desire to live for him. Not to earn salvation, but we know that we've already received salvation from Christ, and he empowers us to obey all these things. That it's a joy for us now to follow these things. It's a joy for us now to obey his commandments. And we can point others to free them from this kind of mentality that they have as well. So let me ask you this. Are we being obedient to Christ and all that he has commanded? Are we being obedient to all of this? Have you believed in this Jesus that it talks about? Have you believed in this Jesus that the Old Testament was pointing to, that the New Testament reveals? If you have, how seriously are we taking his commands? How seriously do we take the Bible? How seriously do we take the scriptures that that God God authored a book? Do you pick and choose certain parts of the Bible to obey? Are there certain parts that you choose to ignore? Or lastly, are you resting in His strength and His grace to follow and obey Him? Are you trying to follow Him on your own strength? Because when we try to follow Him on our own strength, we're always going to fall short. We're always, gonna, we're always not going to be able to live up to that. It is only by Him. He is the greater righteousness. He is the one we rest in. He is our great high priest. He is the one that has lived these out. And he will empower us to follow these things. So we can go into a world that is in need of hope and can point them to Him. Saying all they've been striving for... It won't be enough. Christ is the one that fulfills the Old Testament. Christ is the one that fulfills your need now. It's all about Christ. Christ came to fulfill the law and Christ came to redeem us back to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you so much for all of these students. Thank you just that that Christ is our great high priest. Thank you that Christ came and fulfilled all those 613 laws that we could not live. We can't even obey a handful of them. Yet Christ, to the last T, obeyed every last bit of it. And that since he lived a perfect sinless life under that law, he frees us from that law by being the perfect righteous sacrifice to die, to pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time, to purchase our salvation, all we must do is repent of our sins, believe in him, and receive the salvation that he's purchased for us. So there, I pray you'll help each and every one of us, that you will help us be obedient to all that you have commanded. I pray that you help us be obedient to you. And I pray that you remind us that it is by your strength and your grace we're able to do these just, because, just like it was only by your grace and your strength that, that we are able to receive you. I pray we remember that as well as we follow you and obey you. Thank you that you are just the perfect teacher and interpreter and power of us to live for you. I pray you help each and every one of us live for you that much more. I pray you help us just to point others to you that much more, that day by day, step by step, moment by moment, we'll become even more of the people of God you've called us to be and even more of the family of God you've called us to be here at LSM. It's only by your grace, by your strength. In Jesus' name.